1: There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
2: To behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: You. It's nine oh four on Friday, the fourteenth of October, twenty twenty two. Sting and the police and Roxanne, but that just on the back of news that Sting is coming to New Zealand next year for two concerts. Quite happy about that one too. Uh, he'll play Mission Estate on March the fourth and Christchurch Arena three days earlier on March the first as part of his My Songs World Tour. Pretty cool, gotta say. And when you look at pictures, I think he's knocking. He's a little bit over seventy old, Sting. But you look at him; he's a huge uh, yoga fan. Honestly, he looks like a greyhound and incredibly fit. Apparently it's very good for his love life too, uh, the the amount of yoga he does. Read a story a while back, so he's doing okay as Sting. This is SCNZ Mornings with Smithy. Stephen McIver in the seat till midday today. Hope your Friday so far is going okay. And if you were in central North Island, uh, uh, please feel free to text me on double eight double three the Timber Bedpost text line, if you felt an apparent shake. Overnight, Yeah, a little bit of an earthquake around the place as well. So uh, I hope everything's OK. They're, they're saying it was just a little bit of a shake, and a bit of a rat and a bit of a roll. So if you feel like just uh, doing that, feel free. 0800 150811 is the number if you've got anything to talk about throughout the day as well, because I love a bit of a chat. We'll be talking to Daryl Halligan in just a moment, the uh, Kiwis assistant coach. He's actually with the kicking coach. Uh, also, we're talking to Ajit Rai, New Zealand's number one tennis player, about the... The grind of being on the tour, and you don't have a team around you. I spoke to Ajit uh, last week, and he was telling me that there are guys. You know, he's sitting around four fifty-three. His highest is four eleven, and he's New Zealand's number one tennis player. And he said there are guys out there at that level that have teams of three or four people running around looking after them. And this is on even uh, the tour below the challenger level, which is one step uh, below below the ATP tour. So there is a lot going on. The The panel this morning has, uh, from the Waikato Aaron Gorlin, Sky Television's Christina Eddy, lots to talk about there, as there will be with my good mate Mulls, Andrew Mulligan, the Sky Television basketball commentator. I also have to call him out uh, for reasons you will find out after 10 o'clock this morning. And after 11, Simon Crafer, MotoGP commentator. He is a New Zealander, a very smart individual. Uh, The latest round of MotoGP, we're almost at the end of the season, five riders in the hunt to win the overall title, and they're at Phillip Island, which, like Bathurst last weekend, has been suffering heavy rain and flooding on the circuit. But the good news is the forecast for tomorrow and race day Sunday, it should be fine. So we'll talk to Simon out of Pit Lane, Uh, around 11, just after 11 o'clock this morning. But I suppose we should really put our focus now for the next 15 minutes or so on the Rugby League World Cup, which gets underway. If you want to see it, it's on Spark Sport. If you didn't know that, not many people seem to know it, but we've been talking about it, but it's there anyway. And the Kiwis face Lebanon in their first match on Monday morning at half past seven. They've got a, a reasonably comfortable run through to the quarterfinals. the crazy thing is though if it works out they play Fiji in the quarterfinals, and guess what Fiji beat them back in 2017 if you remember that oh yes we remember that anyway the man we talk to right now we go live to York is uh, Daryl Halligan Kiwi number 635 Chuck played 20 tests including 60 goals in that and Chucky. Uh, nice to talk to you mate uh, how's progress going into the build up for the Lebanon match
4: Oh, well, look,
5: when you're in the city of York and you've been here for a little bit over a week now after the, the warm-up match for Tommy Luluai, then, um, yeah, she's, everything's on a, on an up, upward, uh, spiral. We, uh, we head over to, uh, Warrington, um, and take on Lebanon. They've got a couple of players who, you know, will, will be of note to, to people. Mitchell Moses, of course, and Adam Dewey. So they have got a couple of names there, but, um, it's a game that we're, we're expected to win. And of course, um, boys are nice and confident in training pretty well.
3: Yeah, so on the subject of training, we know Madge is a, is a taskmaster. There were some comments suggesting he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't smiled yet. But how how is he feeling about progress?
5: You've got to know what Michael smile uh, Michael uh, Maguire's smile looks like. It just he smiles, but you don't see his teeth. You see, so it's sort of like a different thing. Um, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, the, everyone when uh, the talent test was on in June. Sort of couldn't wait to get everyone back together again, and so having the grand final boys um, rock up um, this week and, and added to what happened last week is um, you know taking it to another level again. Um, and the detail around training and the speed, uh, the way they execute, um, it's been fantastic. Well, I guess the blessing in disguise is it's been we had really, really good weather. Um, Stephen, up here, um, we sort of have fifteen degrees today. We've got a beautiful training venue out of Harrogate, um, which is about twenty minutes out of York. Um, and it was just blue skies all day in the last, you know, we, we had one shower um, for about half an hour in the last three days. So if, um, if the weather stays like this, we're, we're in for a treat. But we also realise that uh, things can get a bit bleak up here too, so we'll take the good stuff while we can.
3: Mate, we, we noted that Joseph Tupiny, uh sort of didn't finish training with a bit of a knee complaint. Is that OK?
5: Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, it's sort of like... Uh, if any of the guys get a little bit of bump or a bruise, the, and they're not really sort of sure that they can they can punch on through it, there's no no, no point sort of going all for leather because the intensity and in, in training's been been exceptionally high, um, and that's been something that um, the coaching group have wanted to do, um, is to treat the uh, some of the training sessions a bit as, as match or above match intensity because the next you know the pool matches, with all due respect to the other teams, we we should win. Um, and so therefore we need to train at a higher level than possibly what the game's going to be played at and the guys are sort of bought into that really well.
3: Interesting, Chuck, that you mentioned uh, speed and execution. Are they two pillars of this campaign?
5: Yeah, sure. Well, you see um, what won the NRL um, and that's two you know, um, ingredients and character traits of uh, the Penrith Panthers um, in particular. Um, that have won them back to back titles. Um, you know, base speed sure is one thing. Um, speed of execution and handling is another. Um, and, and, you know, and speed of your detail or of being in the right position or, or getting to the right position. So there's a, there's a lot involved. Those, those words are, you know, they're, they're accountable words. Um, and the guys know how, um, and, and when to apply them. So it's, it's been really, it's been really fresh, you know what I mean? if there's a ball go down there hasn't been too many but there has been some you know you just see the guys they just automatically pick on go to the next level um, and don't let that really affect them but you can see the disappointment in it you know what I mean so it's a, it's a good group Mate how's Joey Manu's fitness? Joey's good he's been um, like uh, sort of doing some sort of real basic drills. um Obviously, he's going to play fullback and, um, you know, high balls. And, you know, we don't really have a Matt Burton who can put floaters up to him. And, and especially when I try and do them, they only go about 10 metres high. <laughs> you can kick it over a 10-metre swing yeah. um, board. Yeah. But um, uh, so, but there's a couple of guys getting a little bit better at that. So he, um, he knows some of the stuff, you know, having played centre for most of it. And now um, shifting back into a fullback role. He's going to have some other stuff come his way. So it's actually been quite nice to work with him one-on-one with, with, um, at times of training. So, you know, retrieving balls from in goal and all the stuff that good fullbacks do. So, um, yeah, no, but he's, he's good to go.
3: How much work is Kieran Forwin going to get in this campaign? Or is he there as a backup slash mentor for some of the younger
5: players? Oh, I think you'll find Kim, uh, Kieran will um, get a lot of work in this um, campaign. Um you know, like, you know, on to automatically pigeonhole Kieran into a position, but he can cover in the halves and at hooker and becomes a really useful player if they want decide to put um, Kieran on the bench as well. Um, and so, you know, depending on the minutes, like for Brandon Smith, it will be hooker, of course, plays. And Brandon's quite capable of playing 80, depending on the pace of the game and um, the sort of shape he's in. So, so Kieran could be a real useful one, um, or he will be useful. He, you know, not good, he is very valuable. Um, to, to what this campaign will need. And he's durable to, you know, Karen, how often he's ready to get injured, you know what I mean? And if you just chuck him in, he just gets in and plays football anyway. So,
3: Is it, is it fair to say Kieran, when you look at him, has a bit of old old school mongrel about him and and, a, and a resilience that a lot of young players can
5: learn from? Um, for sure I mean um, One of Kieran's Greatest strengths You know Is, is that he doesn't Mind getting set On his ass at the, at, at the contact line So he takes always Takes the ball To the line and, and 90% of the time Ends up on the deck Whether he's still Got the ball in his hand Or whether, whether he's Offloaded it So he doesn't mind Taking it all the way there um, And other people You know Don't enjoy that But Kieran certainly Doesn't worry him So um, And on top of that He, he has a skill set um, Suited around that as well So um, yeah, I mean he's um, you know he's getting on a little bit now, but uh, you want to see how, how energised he is by this group. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, he's, he's enjoying himself here.
3: And we and when you look at this group, I don't think I've seen that many good players battling for spots in a Kiwis team.
5: Yeah, for sure, I, I agree with that. Even in the back row, there you know, Ice Puppley, Brett Nakora, you know. Uh, Kenny as well so you know there's only two back rows they, they can pick and, and then the bigger guys up front you know Isaac you, and then even Joseph Tarpon who plays in the middle and Jared's not even available at the moment Nelson and Jesse so I mean at the moment it, it looks fantastic because everyone's pretty much fit and, and chomping at the bit you know what I mean and and our uh, swingers don't really want, want to even run the ball at training you know what I mean so cause, <laughs> It's on your backside, and, and it hurts. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, it is, you know. But it, it's only early, um, and you know it'll be good to get a start um, against Lebanon, and then um, see where we go from there. How
3: important is it to make a statement in every match? Because let's be fair, you've already mentioned that you know that most of these pool games you should win. But you need to make a statement yeah. because you potentially face Fiji in the quarterfinals and then a semi final against Australia.
5: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, no, uh, no matter really how it pans out, we, we expect that um, there's going to be a, um, Australia and a semi and, and possibly Fiji or someone else in the quarter like you say. But, um, and then when you want to make a statement in every game, well, I think you, you sort of narrow that down to... Attacking-wise, uh, your your governor is, is how well you execute, um, and and obviously you know you'll score some points with good execution. And then defensively is you know maybe trying to keep a keep a clean sheet. You know what I mean? And, and reinforcing the importance of that, and and then also reinforcing the importance of the detail. Um, if you don't keep a clean sheet, but even if you do, then you know why you did. And also you know there'll be some times where we're obviously going to be stressed. and and stretched, and um, then then you you jump into that detail and, and, and grow the group a bit off the back of that.
3: Who's been standing out at training?
5: Oh, you can't, you can't put one on it. I, I mean, um, oh no, because there's been so many moments where you sometimes just get caught watching, going, "Holy smoke, look at that!" But um, yeah, no, they've um, they've all been top shelf, Stephen. Um, I mean. To be fair, they were top shelf before the six guys from the grand final arrived up here, and and then through, throw those guys into the mix as well. Um, we haven't quite got enough numbers to go thirteen on thirteen at training, so they brought a couple of young kids in from the local um, York FC club, and um, yeah, so the, their eyes are peeled backwards, um, but they're, they're coping. So, which is is perfect, but know, yeah, I couldn't name sort of one person who's been sort of out and out above anyone else. That, that would be unfair. Uh,
3: Chuck, I know you're uh, deeply embedded in, in the camp as their kicking coach, but I know you're also incredibly realistic about this game. Just, some,
5: just someone, just someone, just someone to blame.
3: <laughs> well, okay. If they if they start spraying spraying them out in the full year,
5: hey, don't talk like that. That's not the go, even though no, they'll they'll be fine, mate. Don't worry
3: about that. Yeah, hey, you you brought it up, pal. I, I I just want I just want to know, realistically, everything's great at training. But where does your confidence sit with this team?
5: Um. Oh, really, really high. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, they can win this thing. Um. I, uh. And you know like uh, that's our intention um, and so there'll be confidence around um, doing that and it um, won't be uh, an ego around it in terms of you know like uh, thinking it's already gone but and but there's a sense of really um, enjoying what this is about you know what I mean so we we just want to get a get a start and, and really rip into it and you know when guys play rugby league they play for a couple of um, reasons you know what I mean they want to win world cups they want to win you know, all premierships. They want to play for their country. They want to play for their family, you know. And, and they tick three out of those four boxes here at this World Cup because, you know, like, uh, if they ask the players, you know, yeah, they might say, well, what, sort of stand on their cap, but they'll, they'll say, well, you know, if you playing a World Cup? And you think, well, no, but I would actually won a World Cup, is yeah. what we want to say. So, you know, like, there's, there's that in this group, for sure.
3: Ah, uh, okay. Uh, who, are you, who are your key kickers uh, this campaign?
5: Yeah, we are sort of not um not particularly one of our strengths as we don't have a you know uh, first choice in our real club kicker, but um, we've got some guys that can, can steer it between the posts. So Jordan Rapin did a really good job for us in the Tonga and test and has worked reasonably um hard on it during the year, um knowing that there was a bit of a void there. Um, and he was likely to, to, to get an opportunity. And, um, Dylan Brown will get an opportunity, um, in the next game or two as well. He's kicked goals as a junior. He hasn't sort of kicked a lot of Parramatta, obviously, or any at Parramatta. Because Mitchell Moses is sort of like stolen on the show there, um, and rightly so. But, um, he's enjoying it. Um, and so we're getting some work in with Dylan. So between the two of those guys, we should have it covered. And, um, yeah, there's a couple of other guys sort of like, uh, maybe as a third backup, but, um, those two should sit at the front of it anyway.
3: Will will uh, Madge be just rotating the squad in this early pool stage?
5: Um, no, I don't think that's sort of like uh, the way he'll go. Um, he's sort of like uh, will throw some guys out there um, to get an opportunity, but he also needs to make sure that guys can gel and who haven't played together get, build, build sort of simple combinations, you know, in terms of, you know, Brandon playing he plays a different style of football when you play with Brandon Smith and you sort of if you miss the jump when he goes, um, and you're trying to organise something out the back, then that's not what we want. So um, yeah, no, he'll he'll find the balance, um, in terms of, you know, like people will get opportunities, um, for sure. Um and, and, and there'll be some opportunities sort of given to people by by injuries as well. But um, Madge won't rotate it for the sake of Madden, of rotating it, he'll be looking for his best combination.
3: All right, and one final thought that's completely left of centre. Uh, Desi no longer at Manly. What did you make of that? Did you see it coming? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I didn't. No, nah, well, yes and no. You know, we still read the papers over here while we're over here. And, um, you know, uh, for Desi, I, actually, you know, it's the first time Desi hasn't had a job. Well, it's only been a day or 2 is hasn't it, really? But, um, I mean, he's always coached. Um, he even went to, you know, to the Dogs straight off the grand final. When he was at Manly, I, I remember that being the time. And then we, when he came out of the docks, he went straight back to Manly. So every year, he's never had like a, a little bit of a, a break or a year off or anything. So it's quite a stretch um, for Des. Um So, yeah, no, um, yeah, no one likes seeing the coaches moved on. But um, And this one sort of was a little bit out of the blue, really, um, without Tom Dravojevic in their team. Um, they generally struggle, um, and of course, Tom's been hammered by injuries the last two years. Mm. Um, so yeah, so the big the big question is now, you know, because I mean? Tommy Trovolovich and Trovoloviches are really close with Dizzy, and that so watch the space.
3: Oh, oh, you know something, or are you just throwing that one out there for the hell of no, it? No, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> what how would I, how would I know? Stephen? Hey, 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 here's 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 one for you, Chuck. Is twenty twenty three the our year for the dogs? Hey, whoa, what about that? Yeah,
5: so hey. I saw a couple Cameron Sorraldo Cameron started work today, so he was there at Belmore with a with crew around him. Um, so, yeah, I'm, hey, I'm interested to see what else they can add. So, yeah, of course it's our year. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be a year where they can maybe, you know, like take a title, but uh, they're definitely play some finals um, this year, you'd, you'd imagine. So, um, hey, and maybe with some other unrest at other clubs, as we just mentioned. There might be some player movement. So, uh, have we got any money in the cap? I'm not sure. But uh, we'll see how we go.
3: Okay. Final, final thought. Have you found some good places to go for a jog?
5: Oh, everywhere. Um, There's. uh, Don't worry about um, too many places to jog. There's um, so many. Ale houses around here that I've had a nice stroll to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we're just about to, just about to go out and watch Manchester United play in the European League as well. So it's actually, yeah, it's been quite oh. quite a treat. So no, we're, we know how to enjoy ourselves. We know where to find the right places, Stephen. That's OK. Yeah,
3: don't I know that. Hey, mate, uh, <laughs> best of luck for this campaign, buddy. Uh, everybody's genuinely excited about it. So go well and uh, don't misbehave.
5: And, and these guys are um, really representing the country well, too. You want to see the people of York have already bought into the culture and stuff, and we've had a couple of subscriptions and what have you. And when they see the guys walking around off the training and that, they're all jumping around. So, yeah, they're doing the country proud, mate. It's all good.
3: Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.
5: OK. Cheers, pal.
3: Daryl Halligan, kicking coach for the Kiwis. Uh, that match, 7.30 on Monday morning on Spark Sport against Lebanon. Uh, they're playing at Warrington. I've actually been and called a game at Warrington. Uh, Not my favourite place to go. He had to call literally up on the rafters of one of the grandstands. But uh, the one thing he is right about, people in the north, they love their footy. Now, if you have some thoughts on the Kiwis, a question for you. How far do you think the Kiwis will go in the Rugby League World Cup and why? Why? 0800-1508-11. that's 80150811 or feel free to text on the Temper bedpost test line that's double eight double three. but I'd I'd love to know what you really think about this Kiwis you you heard you know us talk about the fact that this is it is a team of riches maybe a little light out wide but they have got plenty of grunt up front as the saying goes and if you you lay your platform down anywhere in rugby league makes things a whole lot easier. And the interesting thing he said right at the beginning of the chat was about speed, speed and execution. So get on the blow if you want, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811 or the temper bedpost text on double eight double three. How far can the Kiwis go? Tell me what your reasons are and how far do they go?
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. 9.29,
3: time to go to the phone lines. Brenton in Auckland's got some thoughts. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, mate, yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. What's on your mind?
6: Ah, oh, the Kiwis are good. they got a great team. My only little concern was probably that kicker. Like, um, as Halligan's saying, is only Rapana or... Um Dylan Brown yes.
7: like,
6: so those two points could be valuable in the, end of the in the in the in the knockout stage in the semis um, or something you, you score three tries or two tries you get 12 points if you've got a good kicker you know if you, and we could score three we could score more tries than them and then the uh, Miss a couple of kicks and then it could be the end of the thing, you know.
3: Brenton, you make complete sense. You want to go on with someone like, well, if you had a chook there, right? Who look would, would kick them from anywhere, and you knew you you knew you yeah. were gar- you were guaranteed a six. But just briefly, when you look at the side, does it give you a lot of confidence though?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great forward pack, great forward pack. Just uh, oh, centres could be a bit of fee those Canberra guys, but. I don't know. They, the Canberra guys, the game come game on,
3: today. mate. The Canberra guys aren't iffy. They'll be leading the way. Come on. <laughs> Hang, <what>? Hang <laughs> on. Ob- Panthers, obviously, the obviously the you're not really a Raiders fan. You're not a Raiders fan, are you? Yeah,
6: the Panthers, brother.
3: Panthers <laughs> all day. <laughs> oh, well, you better. All right, well, let's, let's see how it right. Hey, thanks for calling. What are you, are you going to be watching that game Monday morning?
6: Uh, I'll be working, but hopefully just listen to it. Oh, Can will um, update it?
3: Good man. Appreciate the call, man. That's Brenton on 800 If you Have got some thoughts about the Kiwi side going forward? Uh, the Tampa Bedpost text line as well as 8883. It's 9.31.
8: The countdown to the Australian Open is on. It's time to talk tennis with Smithy. Oh. Game set match. Experience the best of the Australian Open and the best of Melbourne with AO Travel. Visit ozopentravel.com.
3: every time I hear talk about a a, a, a major, we have this argument. Do you call it a Grand Slam or do you call it a major? Well, clinically, you should call it a major because a Grand Slam is winning all four majors – in a single year. So it's a major, not a grand slam. It's a grand slam event, you could get away with it. But the fact that we've fallen to this argument all the time, maybe I can can figure this one out with New Zealand's number one tennis player Ajit Rai, who joins us now from his home base in Taranaki, having just jetted in uh, from uh, Vietnam. Morning, Ajit. Morning, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, buddy. So for you, it's a major, Right. For me,
9: um, you can call it whatever you want as long as I win one. So, I I don't mind, I don't mind. Shooting
3: straight from the hip early in the piece. Mate, I, I know you've just come back from about, what is it, three, four, four months on tour?
9: No, no, it was, yeah, around two and a half months, um, but continuously playing, which I haven't done before, so it was nine weeks in a row, which, um, was, um, brutal on the body and on the mind, but, um. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it was definitely a successful time over there.
3: Okay, mate. Uh, can you stand still because the the, the uh, service is good right now that we're talking to you. I want people to understand how the tour works. So you've got your ATP tour, right? You've got your ATP events, your Masters events. Then there's the Challenger tour, which is the. Uh, do you think it's a step below, or is it just as tough? Because I know you're going to go into some challenges. So tell me.
9: It's just it's just as tough. Um really I, I just think it's about uh, the points that challenges you've just got more points up for grabs so everyone is more inclined to go to those events but they're just so tough to get into so uh, you have the likes off the first challenger I went to there was Fernando Vadasco there um, who's you know played semis at Aussie open and you've had Dennis Isteman. there's a bunch of guys the first training I had I was training next to a, a guy called Igor Donsk. Uh, Donskoy and Isterman and I was talking to one of my mates and I was like oh yeah who are these guys and he's like yeah well two years ago this guy beat Djokovic at the Australian Open and the other one beat Federer in the same year so you have um pretty strong caliber of players that I hadn't been up against before and it was just such a exciting feeling being around them and seeing what they do um day in day out and the difference um between the level of futures
3: and challenges so so you've been playing futures you you've made uh what a single semi a singles final or a single semi-final okay i
9: uh, i made two singles finals yep. um while i was over there and and um, won a double and, and won a,
3: and one a doubles right
9: and won a doubles uh title and also won a challenger doubles title um so yeah i i played a lot of tennis While I
3: was over there, talk to me about the grind, mate. Because uh, there, you know, there are a lot of players. You know, you're you're at what? I think your your career high is four eleven. At the moment, it's four fifty three. Because you know, you're getting back into the rhythm and the grind. Explain what the grind is like for someone like yourself who has no team, doesn't have a coach on tour, doesn't have a physio on tour, doesn't have someone to stroke their ego on tour. That sort of stuff. You know, what's that grind like?
9: Yeah, it's it, it is brutal. It, it's just the same thing every day. It's um, a lot of uh, the grind is probably the perfect word because you're, you know, you're doing the same thing every single day in the same same place. You know, like yesterday, I was with um, one of my friends and his dad was like, "Oh, so you know, Vietnam, unbelievable place. Like, did you go on a river tour?" And i was like, "I don't get the chance. You know, I literally see the hotel room and the tennis courts, and that's when." When people say you know you're you're on tour, that's literally you're there for a job. So, you know I go I wake up and the schedule is I wake up in the morning, go to the gym, have breakfast, go to the courts, train, come back to the hotel, rest, back to the courts, train, stretch down, see the physio, have dinner, go to bed. Every day that's just my same the same schedule. Um, and yeah, there's not much sightseeing going on, but. Um, it is the grind, but you notice when you start playing challenger events and higher up events, you start getting looked after a lot better. You start getting, you know, um, everything's taken care of for you. Your hotel is all sorted already. You get picked up, you know, nice cars in the airport and all of that mm. stuff. So just little things like that starts
3: to be very, very rewarding. Um, yeah. So the success that you've had in the last, let's say, two and a half months is all about points. Now, that, have those points allowed you to potentially play more challenges now?
9: Yeah, big time. So my ranking, yeah, of course, has skyrocketed a little bit, and um, that means that I can get into challenges at minimum and qualifying, which means that, I, you know, it's also qualifying events offer ATP points, whereas qualifying events and futures don't offer any ATP points. So it's actually pretty big if you can even get into qualifying and challenger events. So with you know my dad and um, my coaches back here, I've made the decision to now just try to play every single challenger qualifying event rather than a main draw of a future just because the points are bigger. So I'm going to be yeah, just targeting
3: as many challenges as I can. And the crazy thing here is you're talking about qualifying. So you've got to play three qualifying matches just to make the main draw correct two rounds so oh, two. in challenges
9: there's only two rounds right yeah it's only two rounds but i mean you have to beat a seated player within those two rounds and in those two rounds the seeded player will end up being you know top 200 in the world it's very very strong
3: and you've had success uh, against players of that ilk this past two and a half months haven't you
9: yeah, I mean my first ever challenger event I played was in Thailand and I qualified for the main draw. I beat two guys inside the top, uh, three, four hundred or two hundred and then lost to one of the players who won the challenger um, seven six in the third set and won the doubles that same week. So it was a amazing experience. I mean, I couldn't have really asked for a better one besides winning some more singles matches. Um but yeah, I just I'm really enjoying um, playing, starting to move up the rankings and you see like your process you go through um, start to pay off and it's just such a rewarding
3: feeling. How much is this about confidence knowing that you can play at that level and knowing as you said it's part of the process to move forward?
9: Yeah big time confidence is huge I didn't you know realize how much now I'm just hanging on to that confidence as much as I can and you know, um, even I just went for like a casual hit with my brother and I was already trying to get in his head. You know, I'm using my confidence against him just in the local club in Taranaki. But um, confidence is a massive, a massive part of tennis because it's an individual sport as well. And, you know, just if you catch yourself at four all in a third set um, and there's big points, they start going towards your way because you believe in your ability and you start, you know, having confidence. But when you're losing, as I've done in the past, had matches where I've lost 7-6 in the third, continuously time in, time out, you start doubting yourself a little bit in those moments. And when it's a one-on-one sport, there's only one person coming out a winner and one a loser. So you have to be more confident than the other guy. So, uh, yeah, confidence. uh, To answer your question, confidence is huge. Big part of tennis.
3: How much further would you progress if you had a travelling team, say, a coach, and or who could even double as a physio or both?
9: Yeah, that's, that's, the, massive, um, that's the massive step I need to take and look at getting. It's just so financially expensive um, to be on tour with a coach and physio, but all the players I'm playing against, I mean, I don't think there was one that didn't have a coach or a physio, and then even in quarterfinals, I was playing against um, uh, the number two seed, who was ranked, you know, three hundred in the world uh, or two two hundred and eighty in the world, and he had a physio, coach, doctor, and agent with him. Um, I've actually, I just couldn't believe it. I had my um, my buddy with me, but he was on his phone the whole time. So, um, (laughs) you know, it's it's a bit tough when you're being on the road alone. um, But that's definitely something I'm looking into now for. Uh, You know, the longevity of my tennis career um, is to have a coach and
3: a physio with me on tour. I mean, to to make people realise the expense of it, what would it cost to, let's just say, have a, a coach who could double up as a physio, let's say? How much would that cost you for six months?
9: I mean, most, so basically everyone charges on tour, that I've talked to because I've always inquired, you know, other coaches and my friends who are traveling with them is it can cost their employees. So you have to cover all their expenses, so their flights, their accommodation, their food, and then $1,500 a week to two grand a week um, for their fee. And they pretty much help you with everything throughout. So it's, a, it's definitely an investment, but I think it's a really good investment because, you know, I went to the tournament physio last week and I needed some treatment on my foot and she didn't want to treat me because she didn't know what to do so you know I you need these physios and people with you I'm playing you're playing every single day three hour three hour four hour matches you need to be able to bounce back the next day and if your opponent's got a physio a coach and everything with you it just seems like a advantage
3: Okay, so so you need some friendly friendly foe with uh, big pockets. Uh, not not a great Davis Cup campaign for the team. Do you still enjoy playing Davis Cup, or is that do you think maybe going to take a back seat to moving forward in your own personal career?
9: Um, at any time, I can put my hand up to play for the country. I will. Um, I think the team overall, yeah, we struggled. We're playing against a caliber of a team that has top 50, top 100, and a top mm. 10 or 15 doubles player. Um, so it was a very tough ask. But, mm. yeah, I just think that I've got a you know, I always want to play Davis Cup. I always want to play for my country. There's literally no greater honor um, than playing for your country. Um, so, yeah, I think the next ties in February, and I'm just going to be, um, yeah, I'll just keep, my ranking increasing and put my hand up and if I get selected I get selected and if I don't I'll just keep playing on the tour and keep
3: you so, know,
9: trying to get my ranking to climb
3: so Ajit is New Zealand's number one male tennis player is there talk of getting a wild card to the ASB Classic in January
9: I haven't had those discussions yet with, with anyone um, to, to be honest I've just been trying to get myself ready and enjoy a few days at home off golf to be honest <laughs> so I haven't had that conversation yet but um Yeah, again, I I just know they'll make, you know, the right decisions for the tournament and, you know, reward the players who have been hard at it throughout the year, um, playing week in, week out and getting results.
3: So what you're going to do is go try and play some challenges.
9: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to play two in Australia and then three in Japan and then come back to New Zealand and get myself ready for the summer.
3: Alright, well, sounds good, man, and congratulations on the last two and a half months. It's it's nice to see some positivity uh, coming out of uh, uh, tennis in this country, man. Thanks for your time.
9: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
3: You're more than welcome. 9.45, Ajit Ryan, New Zealand's top tennis player, doing it the hard way on his own, but it just gives you an indication of how tough it is. And, and in many ways, if you want the team, it is all about the dollar, the do-re-mi. Uh, so... I always I always get a bit angry when people say oh, we've got no decent tennis players you know they're all useless and of this but when you understand what they're trying to go through it just gives you a window into what a grind it really is 945 150811. if you've got any thoughts about the discussion I've just had with Ajit right or about the Kiwis actually what do you think of this ridiculous idea uh, that the kangaroos and their numbering system—it was agreed to—and Melmanig is not happy. So, for instance, there's there's, there's 13 debutants on tour for the kangaroos, right? So uh, Isaiah Yo, his very first test, his 2 number will be 24, because it, for something to do where he sits in the alphabet and when he started playing. So all that traditional jersey numbering out the door when you try to understand. Uh, What's going on with the kangaroos? Give me your thoughts. O eight hundred one five O eight eleven or the timber bedpost text line double eight double three. 9.51 on a Friday mornings with Smithy, Stephen McIver in the seat to midday. But a Blink 182, which has opened up a can of worms. <laughs> it has opened up a can of worms because, yes, they are touring, what, 24 now? Is it twenty
8: twenty four? Yeah. Twenty third of February, twenty twenty four in Auckland. Gee, can't wait. Monday, the twenty sixth of February twenty twenty four in Christchurch. So hey, Christchurch, you get you get the good stuff too. Don't, I, don't start them on the oh wow, wouldn't it be nice if you had a real stadium at that time? Twenty twenty four, they might have half a stadium.
3: Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so you're what you're saying is that's more you and Sting is more me.
8: That's, that's not that's not what I'm saying at all, Steven. Well, what I, are you
3: saying by playing Blink 182? That I'm really excited that they're coming to the country. Unbelievable. That you are why don't you just say you're lying to my face?
8: I <laughs> know, oh, I went through a real heavy sting phase uh, once upon a time, I will tell you that. Back when uh was it Brand New Day and Desert Rose when those songs came out? I used to really love Sting back then, but no Blink 182 uh Wow, they're my wife's favourite band of all time. One of my favourite uh, bands, too.
3: Now we know what it's about. <laughs> Looking after the missus. Happy wife, happy life. Bought you the tell it is. Have you bought the tickets? Yes, we have. What did they charge you for, for twenty a year and a half out or a year out? Uh,
8: what were they? 130, 140? I was actually honestly surprised. I thought they could have potentially been a lot more what than are they? that. they big tickets, like
3: good tickets, or you pay a lot more for the front?
8: Yeah, you pay more for up, up where, front. Where,
3: where is the Spark?
8: At Spark. Uh, so, yeah, we're paying, yeah, one thirty one forty for kind Ouch. of like upper bowl seats. But I, I'm happy with that, man. I mean, I've been up there for concerts before. Great view. Yeah. yeah, who needs to see a band up close, hey, just so long as the music's good. <laughs> 9- <laughs> 953,
3: just a text in on the Timber Po text line after our chat with RG Ryan, New Zealand's number one men's tennis player. That young man's got a good level head on his shoulders. Well spoken. Hope he goes well. Uh, so do we all here on SENZ.
2: Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: Heading towards 10 o'clock on this Friday, the 14th of October 2022 with Stephen McIver in for Smithy till midday. Busy, busy little day, a busy little Friday here on uh, Mornings with Smithy. Coming your way at 10 o'clock, going to talk to one of my great mates and also very, very good basketball commentator, Andrew Mulligan. Miles is going to talk about the Breakers. They've got two games in Australia this weekend in the NBL. They're up against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix tomorrow and, of course, the... Not of course, and the Illawarra Hawks. The panel this week, uh, this today, is Aaron Gordon, Christina Eddy. Lots to talk about. Obviously, the... And then, obviously, obviously again, uh, the Rugby League World Cup. Kiwis to play Lebanon. On Monday, the Black Ferns. What threat to the Welsh present on Sunday? Did Danny Hay deserve to be offered the job? So you got to apply. Did he really deserve that, or should they have kept him on? I know what I think about that one. And Val Adams, I went to the premiere of her new movie, More Than Gold, the other night. Stunning. And I'm not a big sports doco sort of guy, but this one, uh, in one word, is about resilience. And I'll be, I will be honest with you. I did cry. I had moments where I was just quietly, little tears running in my cheek. It is well worth going and seeing More Than Gold. It's in cinemas on October the 20th. That's next Thursday. So we'll talk about that with Aaron Goyle and Christina Eddy after uh, 10 o'clock today. So keep it right here. Mornings with Smithy with McIver in the seat till midday.
2: The mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. When I said I wasn't that type. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl with a kid. I would call it. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a, for a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a
3: 10.04 on a Friday morning with Stephen McCarver at a Ski-Lo by Wishy. Yeah, I know you knew it as well as I did too, but a ski But apparently a song requested by our next guest because he is so ski Andrew Mulligan, Morning Moles. Big show. How are you, buddy? You are so ski like, you know, I am, uh, you were so. And by the way, I have to call you out, okay? Thanks Thanks for stitching me up on the uh, Valerie Adams story. It I, was, I, it wasn't I, my story I know Steven. you apologized. I know you apologized, but there was a part of me that went, Ashley McIver, you're a bit of a knob. So, you know, <laughs> in fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's actually on Sky Sports Select right now, and I'm going, actually, I just didn't shut up. Oh, and uh, what was the line? Oh, no, no you, love, love you, Stephen, love you, Stephen. I could just know what was going on in your head. You're going, MacGyver, shut up. Shut let up. Let
10: him finish his question. Just You know what it's like. I know what you like <laughs> running the microphone, though. You, just, you, you absolutely profit. I respect that. But you're hustling, you grind.
3: Yeah, oh, hustling, grind, man. Uh, so anyway, just just wanted to get that off my chest, you know, because you, we gotta, <laughs> we got to laugh at ourselves and have fun. Um, hey, breakers back last week. How good was it being back on court?
10: Oh mate, it was it was so nice to see. I, I I felt like part of me, you know, actually ended up taking it for granted because, uh, you know, before the pandemic, obviously you just you, you, you loved it, you loved the environment. But then when it's taken away from you for so long, it really does make you feel like wow, we really missed it, and they missed it as well. Um, I think a lot of nerves got hold of them. Um, they came up against a tough Jack Jumpers team, who really um, did well with their adjustments through those middle quarters. And um, they got the win. Uh, it was it was a little bit ugly, but they got the win, nonetheless. And if you win ugly, that's 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 okay because you just got to win, baby.
3: Yeah. Well, the the one the one familiar thing that and and correct me if I'm wrong, third quarters, man. I always I always call the third quarter that that championship quarter, right? But they just went cold. Yeah.
10: Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the Jack Jumpers they started changing up how they um, covered the breakers, um, pick and roll action. They started hedging a little bit. They started, they didn't switch full um, full on switching, didn't tr- keep doing that, which was burning them in the first two quarters. So they made those adjustments and um, oh, I, I kind of think the breakers, they felt like they had that 1-1 one, one already because mm. they started small, they knew that they weren't um, they weren't going to be that big coming into the game, the Jack Jumpers. They didn't have their big Aussie, Will Magne, who um, controls the paint really well. And I kind of felt like, There was so much going on in the lead-ups. Their first home game, proper home game, uh, coming into that week. And then they just sort of, you know, I think they seized up a little bit. But they managed to get the job done. Isaiah Learfer came on in the fourth fourth quarter, got some free throws.
4: Forced
3: the
10: issue, which was good to see.
3: So I interviewed Barry Brown Jr. Barry Brown! Ow! Sorry, Barry Brown Jr. (laughs) Uh, A couple of weeks ago. Is he the goods man, or is it too early to tell?
10: I think that, that Barry Brown, once he finds uh, his feet, it's really hard for imports to find their feet, especially import bigs. He's obviously not an import big. Yeah. But import bigs get absolutely punished by the league and the referees. It's, not, it's, it's a subconscious bias, I think. They have to adjust to the physicality of the Aussie NBL. They're not going to get calls that they might have expected to get in the G League yeah. or if they have come from other parts um, of Europe. But Barry Brown being a guard, um, I think he's just got to find his teammates – uh, and find out what their idiosyncrasies are, and once he gets a handle on that, I think he'll be really good. I saw some flashes of him in preseason, especially this closed doors game that they had against the Hawks, who they play on Monday night, their first game together. And what impressed me a was their defensive intensity, which is something that the Breakers sorely needed, um, yeah. and they've got. But also just a separation when he gets to the glass. Like I haven't seen a guard get for, in the Breakers thing like get to the glass like he has driving. Cedric Jackson but he can finish better than Cedric I reckon
3: Wow and and, and when you mention Cedric and you talk about going to glass them's was the glory days Uh, what do you like do you like Modi more do you like what he's doing with the team or do we have to be patient I definitely be patient but this
10: schedule has not helped them whatsoever they could easily come back to um, Trust Arena on Thursday night to play the Phoenix again and be 1-3 on the season yeah. with this header that they've got this weekend. But be patient with Modi. He is great. I love the fact that he's got a defensive-minded team. Um, the offense will come where where it will come from. Like, I didn't expect Jerrell Brantley to start the game 6-6, six, six, to be honest. So uh, if someone can step up and help out like a Rob Lowe with a pick-and-pop game and get getting to work in the post if they need it, that's always a, a plus. Those guards are great. Will McDowell-White had a real quiet game. That was a little bit concerning that Will McDowell-White had a quiet game on Friday night against the Jack Jumpers. So, yeah, they just need to get their offense flowing a little bit, and if teams take them out of that, they may struggle to win games on the road yeah. if they can't get the, um, the okay. ball in the hoop.
3: How much of it comes out of having lack of bigs, like real bigs? It's not a big team.
10: Yeah. Yeah, they, look, there are some real bigs in this, in this league now. Aaron Baines for Brisbane. But Brisbane are in trouble as well. Aaron Baines has been, been pretty good. But you've got to have a team that is settled and believes in what the offense that they're running, <clears throat> as much as it helps having bigs. And like Derek Pardon, he may not be like over 6'10, but he's got long arms. He's got big wingspan. Drill Brantley's thick, like double C thick. Like you just watch him bang, you take smaller um, opponents down into the block and just dominate like he did against Tasmania. So they might not necessarily have the height, but they've got the defensive intensity. And I think if they've got all the players on the same page, and that's key.
3: Well, you like a bit of mongrel then, eh? That's what you're you saying. You can, you, can, you can sort of make up for the lack of height by just being a little tougher.
10: Yeah, just, just being long. Just, just being long and being able to have that ability to create a little bit of hustle, a little bit of grind, um, and, and force, what they did do real well, is force Tasmania into some shot clock, um, you know, yeah. uh, like burning the clock down really hard. But like that's what's really good about it. That's what I really appreciated. That making them really work to get a shot off. I mean, they, they gave up twenty one offensive rebounds in that game, which was um, which yeah. was really
6: bad. Yeah,
10: but still, that's just an attitude and that can be adjusted.
3: Uh, Southeast Melbourne have got this this rather large Chinese fellow Zhou Qi uh, on Saturday. Yeah. H- how do you how do you combat that, or is it actually we we shouldn't even ask that question, right? Because that's normal in the NBA to have big, big, big like
10: that. Well, you see, they started small against Tasmania, and I imagine that they're going to make him run up and down. And if they can crash the yeah. glass, which I imagine that would, be, would have been a focus. And they can easily keep a guy like Joe Chi off the glass really well. I don't know um, what he can do in the post against them, but it's going to be a bit of a dogfight in there. I'm looking forward to seeing how they combat that. But the pace of the game may just come at a cost of the Phoenix if they
4: decide to go big.
3: I was just looking at the um, I was looking at the who's hot right now. Kings and Wildcats, like hot hot. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at just the numbers on the on the Australian tab. Like the Kings are unbeaten at a dollar fourteen against the Taipans this week, and the Wildcats are up against Melbourne United, and they're unbeaten. They're sitting at dollar thirty one. 31. What's going on at the Kings first up?
10: Uh, first and foremost, they have kept most of their core, uh, and, and when I say core, it's really hard to keep an import. Uh, in a team long enough in the season. And that's the key to the Perth Wildcats with Bryce Cotton. But the Kings, Chase Buford's a really good coach. They're obviously the reigning champs. Xavier Cooks is a phenomenal athlete. Um, he just had a massive poster dunk against Isaac Humphreys against United. Like, just the Kings just have the buy-in with what the coach is doing. They have the moxie that comes with being a Sydney team. And they are the reigning champs, and all those things have come together for them as well. Uh, the Perth Wildcats playing in Perth and in, in RAC Arena when there's 13,000 fans yeah. is something that is um, is really difficult to win uh, in that arena. So, and Bryce Cotton uh, is really, really good. They've got a couple of really nice additions alongside him as well. So, I just feel as though like those two teams, they're the ones to watch. What is happening with United will be will be interesting to see because they need just a little bit of a spark. They've got some really good role players, but they're quite old, and I mean it with all due respect. Like Chris Golding, he's great. But he's coming into his mid-30s. They've got, you know, um, uh, they've got a couple of Aussie veterans in there as well. And I just don't know if they've got, like, the athleticism. I mean, sure, they've got Riton Mays, who was at the Phoenix as well, but if they just need, they need a spark. They need someone pushing their button the whole time.
3: Moles, you know, as soon as you say, with, I said this respect, you actually are calling them old? You know that, eh?
10: Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. I know, but they, but they can't
3: play heavy minutes, Stephen, lot like you and I. <laughs> uh, once again, you have a crack of my weight, heavy minutes, you're yeah, very nice, thanks for that.
10: Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm in a glass house, man, I'm
3: throwing stones. <laughs> well, you're working out, aren't you, you're still working out, like?
10: Always working out, man.
3: Always. <laughs> <laughs> I got back to the gym for the first time in like three weeks. Hit some pads and some bags. Yes, they felt good. Backs a bit sore, but it is what it is. Hey, the Hawks. Mm, a little banged up. Lost their point guard, Justin Robinson, injury. How how can the Breakers take advantage of that in this on the second game of the double header?
10: Yeah, a double header Monday night going to Illawarra. That's that's tough. Oh, look, Tyler Harvey is the um, is the is the guy who drives that team. He, he, he's, only, he's only got the greatest left hand I've ever seen in this league <laughs> in, uh, in, in recent memory um, because I, I didn't watch a lot of the NBL in the 70s and 80s. But <laughs> Tyler Harvey is an absolute weapon. And they 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 played them, I think, three times now. I think they played them in the closed-doors game at Trust Arena. They played them um, in Franklin where it went to overtime. And then I think they also played them at the Blitz but, you know, it's, they know this team and they, they, there was a lot of joy at each other in that closed-doors game at Trust Arena. They, they had a lot to say to each other and they blew them out, the breakers. Hmm. Uh, it's, it'll be different in Illawarra. It'll be different in, on, in the gong. So, um, but yeah, losing Justin Robinson is a big blow for the Hawks, but they'll be primed for the breakers because they know that they enjoy playing them and they're coming off. Back of that Phoenix game as well
3: on Saturday night. So you and I have been around the breakers in the glory years when things just seemed to be right. Culture was right, everything was right. Do you feel under Modi Moore they can they can refine that spark because you know the last it's been very lean and just things didn't seem right off off court. Do you feel like they're going back in the right direction?
10: Yeah, one hundred percent. I do, I really do, and I think um, bringing back. Uh, a, a focus a refocus on a new zealand core mm-hmm. with the, the likes of the keeping rob Lowe, who's in career form i've never seen rob Lowe play like this tom abercrombie obviously he's due to come back once his eyes sorted out um yeah they lost yanni wetzel and cindelaney but this core is really good these these imports want to be here and they want to play for modem and that's that's super important as well like they know that the NBL is tough, but they know also there is a lot of eyeballs on the NBL now from overseas and NBA, and they know that that helps. And that's the key to the league at the moment. I think that's the greatest asset, that they have this NBA connection and that guys like Chase Buford who come to, who's R.C. Buford's son, has come and, and coaching a team like the Sydney Kings. Like, that's just a prime example of coaches even wanting to come here and have a little bit of time and show that they can win at this level.
6: Yeah, now
3: that you opened up, because that was my next question. What, why has the NBL become such a, a point for people to look at now? What's, where do you think the change was? Do you think it may have been, uh, the pandemic or not? Or was it already happening before that?
10: Well, you look at Will McDowell White, he was in the G League. He came from the G League. He answered the SOS for the breakers during that first season of, um, of the pandemic. And like, he has all the tools, 6'5", has really worked on his jump shot. Short, we haven't quite seen it yet, but he has got everything else. He's long, he's defensive-minded, he shares the ball, he's got great vision and a great attitude. And those guys see the NBL as probably a better way of showing their wares in the G League because they, they're able to show they're in a competitive league. The G League has a reputation of being all about you and just getting your own, which is fine for some players. But also, the NBL has done a really good job in the last you know, five to ten years since the ownership took over. Larry Kiffelman, they've really, really aligned themselves with the NBL and the Next Stars program, et cetera. They've yeah. those NBL crossover games with the NBL. Um, that really works. That really helps. Like, Adelaide tipping over the Suns for the first time, an NBL team won yep. over an NBA team. It's huge for them. Yeah. It's great. It's great marketing.
3: All right. One final question. It's a personal question. Now, what's your youngest son's name?
10: Miller, the three-year-old? Yes,
3: Miller. Yep. Does he still have those beautiful long locks?
10: He certainly does. Oh, yep. my gosh. I'm going to harvest them and punch them into my scalp. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just let him. Is that ethical? Yeah, oh, you can do whatever you want because they are beautiful, man. My son his, was allowed to grow his hair as long as he could until he had to go to some boys' school, and then they said, oh, you better shorten you. And I'm going, no, that's, that's, no, that's no fun. Yeah. He, mate, he's yeah. a good-looking bud. Must take after his mum completely.
10: He absolutely does. But I (laughs) I
3: honestly would like to see those plugs. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. It is always fun talking to you, Miles. Have a great weekend.
10: You too, mate. Always good talking to you too, bro.
3: Take care, man. 1018, Andrew Mulligan, Sky Sports basketball commentator. Man, does he know his stuff. 1018, guess what's next? The panel.
2: He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
8: 10.23
3: 10.23 with Stephen in for Smithy till midday today. It's Friday, October the 14th, 2022. Uh, magnificent movie was premiered, gosh, what day is it today? Wednesday night at Sky City Theatre called More Than Gold. Goal. More than gold. More than gold. Uh, part of the Valerie Adams story on her road to her Olympics. Uh, Christina Eddy from Sky Sport joins me right now. She was there working and also flashing look and flash at the uh, Olympic Gala last night. Gee, I didn't get an in to that one, I'm, I must be well off. I must be on a D-lister now, and you've just gone straight to the top of the top of the list. Um, I know, R- Ricardo. I know you've joined us, but I, I, you wouldn't have seen the movie, so I'm just going to hold hold fire from that one. What did you make of the movie, Christina?
11: Well, I think I cried about four times. Now I don't know if I'm an overly emotional person. I mean, you're probably more than the average person. So maybe three or two of those moments were extremely um careworthy for me. But I think I even saw that you even said yourself that you shed a tear. Yep. So maybe it's not me being emotional. No, it's you weren't. Bore.
3: Well well I th- tell you what it was, Christine. It was being a dad and seeing the and, mm. and when you see her talk about her kids and when you when you've got kids of your own, you you sort of get a little emotional. I think that's what it is. But I think the big thing for me was and I don't want to we're not going to do a spoiler alert on her, but the medical issue she went through a year mm. and a bit out that no one knew about was yeah. staggering and I, I think if you had read my, you obviously did look at my Instagram, uh, I said it's a story yeah. of resilience this one
11: It is and it's unheard of in terms of sport documentaries you know we're very used to seeing sport documentaries about sport and I think when I was interviewing her on the red carpet and we've got the title More Than Gold and a lot of sport documentaries and documentaries in general have a lot of cliche titles but I actually really, that did it I really noticed it in that documentary, you know, you're sitting there and you go, hey, you know what, this is more than gold because the two gold medal moments that she had in her career probably probably made up about one and a half minutes of that documentary and it just goes to show how much more war and insight there is into her life and the fact that she was willing to share it. And like you said, you know, no spoilers, there are moments in that documentary that you wouldn't have heard of before. Yeah. Um, and I have to wonder, was it all worth it? <laughs> she concedes it obviously was, but that, that was probably you know controversial and maybe unpopular opinion, uh, and it's not a judgment by any means, I think, but I just one thing that resonated with me as I sat there after the closing credits was, was it worth it? Because wow. it was so silent in that stadium, you know, they showed the game feed of what she would have been hearing, and it was a, quite a lonely moment for her to wrap her career up.
3: That is really interesting, but you did the interview post-medal post, uh, interview, didn't you? Am I right? where she held the. No, she,
11: no, no. I was supposed to be, but
3: I didn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just going to give you big ups there. Uh, well, no. But yeah, re- no, re- <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, of that I think it was worth it because she knew, and I think it was made quite clear with her new coach Dale Stevens. She knew straight away that gold was really out of her reach at thirty six. Mm. So she went in with a mindset that anything. Even and and I think she stated this is the spoiler that in in the in the build up, if she it would be a success if she meddled and which she did. I just uh, the hum, her humbleness still stags me. Ricardo Ball joins us right now. I mean, when you look at Valerie, what impression do you get of her now?
7: Well, I, I haven't seen the documentary, yeah, I even so. I, yeah, um, so yeah, kind of a, a little bit um, hard to say, really, but. I mean, she's always been a champion, and I, I don't think that ever goes away. And um, you know, the way that she's conducted herself since her career finished, and even in, in between when you know she she did have some downtime around the um, uh, around having her, her family and things, I, I think you can only admire what she's been able to do in terms of the way. Uh, as an athlete, she's managed to bounce
3: back after after all of that, and then after those medical issues as well. What does it say about New Zealanders? And I'll ask this, and you can just give me a brief answer. What does it say about New Zealanders that we can get so wound up about someone that throws a metal ball? I mean, let's let's be blunt. It's not the popular sport, right, Christina? It's not,
11: but I don't think people resonate with the sport. I think resonate. People resonate with people and they resonate with character and something that they can relate to and whether that's, they can relate to her in life or in sport or in personality or in any of those things. I think that that's what connects people. It's people to the athlete. It's not people to the sport. So it doesn't yeah. actually matter what you do. Um, and I also just like to clarify quickly, um, what I mean by was it worth it is that I think when she set out on that journey to get that medal, Yeah in hindsight, she wouldn't have known all the things that she was going to be faced with on that journey.
12: Oh, no. And I think,
11: yeah. you know, when you sit there at the end and you look at it, you go, yeah, it's not necessarily that like was that moment worth it. It's just meant, wow, what a journey. Like, if she'd known, if someone said to her at the start, that's what's going to hit you in this entire process. I wonder if she would have done it.
3: I will, st- I will still agree with you and say it was worth it. Ricardo, the whole idea of, you know, New Zealanders and the metal ball
7: yeah, I think I, I think New Zealanders love a great story, and and they love a um, they love a winner. And as you know, Christina said there, it's about the it's about the person, it's about their journey. I think you know, I mean, you could make the same argument as uh, uh, about kayaking. You know, um, because Lisa Carrington. If we didn't have Lisa Carrington, would we care about kayaking? Would it get the news coverage? It does. Probably not. But it's another great story, another great athlete. Uh, and somebody who we can follow and and, and feel good about and, and get behind as a nation.
3: Good answers, you two. You boys, you two are on fire today. All right, it's 10.30. Stick around. We're going to talk uh, one of Ricardo's faves in a moment, footy. And did Danny Hay deserve to go? Stay with us. This is the panel on SENZ Sky Sport and our very own Rick Dog, Ricardo. Let's talk about Danny Hay. Did Danny Hay deserve the treatment that he was given by saying you must reapply for the job after the independent report, Ricardo?
7: I don't think so, no. And I I think most people who know anything about football will look at what Danny Hayes done with that team off the back of Anthony Hudson and go, there are so many places uh, and so many ways you can talk about how that team have improved, uh, the, the talent that's been brought through as well, the type of football they're playing. And I, I, I don't think so. I think uh, Danny Hay has been a victim um, of maybe calling a spade a spade too much. Uh, you know, <laughs> Danny is—I wouldn't say he's old school, but I, he doesn't suffer fools. Um, and. I know that one thing that um, you know it's around the traps is that you know some people uh, involved in the in the admin side of things and you know didn't like the way they were spoken to at times. But I don't think that was anything to do with his coaching or anything. I think yeah. that's just him going. Yeah. Here are the levels I expect, and here's what I'm getting, and I'm not happy with it.
3: Yeah, that, that's. It just sounds like he wasn't a box ticker, but was prepared to learn. Christina, it did say in the in the report, and it wasn't damning at all. It says he was a little bit autocratic. Now. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, is there?
11: It's a common story in New Zealand sport, isn't it? There's a Well, it's a common sort of debate about how far is too far, and I guess it depends on the organisation you're talking to, but is it just one of those instances of passing the blame in a situation where they're kind of stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place in terms of football in New Zealand at the moment and getting players to give us a decent amount of time? You know, the age-old thing that's always been an issue in football, um, I mean, as they look to you know qualify for the next World Cup after one that hasn't even happened yet, I guess yeah they look to pass the blame. But I think it's it's a real shame because if you speak to any of the top players recently after their tour uh, yeah. against, it, well after their friends against Australia, they all speak very highly of them. So yeah, you
3: know. <laughs> that, yeah no no I get, I get it completely. And Ricardo, when you think about it, you know if you were playing a lot of internationals a year and you were probably should have beaten Costa Rica and maybe they should have been in Costa Rica, you can understand them saying, uh, maybe we're having a rethink about this. But with the fact that they don't play a lot of games, and now with the next World Cup going to 48, they're basically pretty much guaranteed a spot in the World Cup. I just, I just think it's sh- short-sighted. Yeah, I think it's incredibly short-sighted, and I also think, who are you going to get next? Well, Des I Buckingham, I hear. Hay- I'm hearing Des Buckingham. He, they, he was the one, apparently, that uh, you know uh, gave them a very good Ollie White's team, which they did very well at the Olympics, and was it was Danny or Des the first time around? And I'm my sources are saying he's a shoo-in.
7: Well, it'd be interesting if he does come back because I, I wondered whether or not it'd be once bitten, twice shy for Des, to be honest, uh, with New Zealand football. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it is Dears, then maybe that's not so bad. But I do, I do wonder, and I do also wonder, how many players uh, will retire off the back of this because I think a lot of them really bought into the way Danny did things. Um, you know, I think Tommy Smith will probably go. Uh, I would say that's just about a definite. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Wood goes, you know what, sold this, I'm 30, I'm mm-hmm. at Newcastle, I'm not the number one striker, I need to concentrate on that. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout from this is. But the other thing about an autocratic coach, uh, Stephen, is, you know, I mean – you can have a coaching panel and you can do things by committee, but at the end of the day, if you're not successful, who gets fired? It's not the committee, is it? It's the <laughs> coach. So surely he has to be the one making the call.
3: Completely, someone's got to make a call. We've got to stop doing all this by committee bollocks. It's I'm t- I'm tired of it. and I and I and I, I think it's a huge mistake. But as you say about Tommy Smith and maybe Chris Wood, uh, that will be another thing for New Zealand football to say. Well, okay, they they needed to go anyway. You know, they'll they'll frame it whatever way they want. It will be something to. Understand. I don't think we've heard the last of this one Christine, the Black Ferns, so they start with a win, so do the Welsh, they're at Waitakere uh, this Sunday uh, do the Welsh present a stern test for the Black Ferns?
11: They're actually a little bit of a large unknown no one to the Black Ferns, aren't they? They only really know them at World Cup level and I mean the Black Ferns have a 4-0 win record over them, but they'll be coming out feisty and they know that they're playing in New Zealand against the Black Ferns and no doubt they'll be Hopefully, what is another absolutely cracker crowd, which is amazing to see uh, for this World Cup as well. So, I mean, in front of that, who knows what they're going to bring. But I think, like I said, a bit of a large unknown. Um, and I don't think the Black were overly convincing. Sure, they came back and had a, a mighty win over over Australia, but they had their moment.
3: Yes, uh, Professor Smith will want a better start out of them, Ricardo. But I, I'm going to pick up on, on what Christina said. A cracker crowd, a tournament, but we'll see the true value of this cup of this in the, in the ensuing rounds, won't we?
7: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I think it'll be bookended by good crowds first day and probably final. It'll be interesting to see what happens in between. And as you said, uh, Wales, we might not know too much, but we can look at what happened uh, just before the tournament started. England and Wales played a, a, a warm-up game, if you like, and England won that 58-5 over the Welsh. So if we want to put a marker down to how much have the Black Ferns Improved with Wayne Smith at the helm, then let's look at that game and let's look at what. Uh, the Black Ferns can do against this Welsh team. It'll be interesting too because it's our first real go against the Northern Hemisphere style team who will be more physical up front and I know that we've changed the way we look to play. It's a more athletic game, it's a more spread the ball game. Uh, yeah. you still got to win the front football uh, in the first place to allow yourself to do that. So that's going to be a real challenge for the Black Ferns. I'm interested to see how that goes.
3: Well if anyone can conjure a miracle and win a World Cup uh, after a pretty average you know, warm up, uh, I'm reckoning that the Professor c- can do do it. Okay, team, just one final thought. Kiwis, uh, Christina, up against Lebanon, of the World Cup campaign. They're playing at Newcastle. Do they go all the way, or do they fall over in a semi against the Aussies?
11: So this World Cup and what seems to be World Cup season has gotten somewhat under the radar, but it's yep. very, very nice. Obviously, it, outside of um, the NRL the season, you know, they can really have a good crack at it. Michael Maguire is obviously going to be out to you know, give it a good run as well after what's happened with the West Tigers, and I think yeah, I mean this four pack looks great, and oh, there's yeah. a lot of really good names in there. They look solid, so I'm really excited to see what they bring to this World Cup. And I don't see why they couldn't, you know, gel in this moment and and hopefully take it all the way. Although, do I actually truly believe they could? I I don't yet. Yeah, you'd have to convince me of it. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll listen to you convince me of it.
3: Treading, <laughs> treading on treading on dangerous ground, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rick, what do you what do you think?
7: Yeah, and no, I, I, I like this Kelly squad. I think it's probably the strongest squad that we've ever been able to put together. And, you know, if you look at it, uh, I think we we're talking with Tony Kemp this morning on Breakfast, you know, and he said, if they put their strongest 13 out, uh, all all 13, all starting players will have played semi-final football in the NRL this season. I don't think that's ever happened before. We've got great halves. We've got a massive forward pack, probably the best forward pack in the comp. Uh, and, you know, players like Joey Manu on the outside as well. So... I think there's every chance that the Kiwis beat the Kangaroos uh, and, and make the final of this World Cup. I I, I really do believe that because oh, I, I look at the Kangaroo squad and I don't think Mel's done a great job there. He's not picked one thing or another. He's kind of hodgepodged it and I wonder if him leading on Daily Cherry Evans uh, from back in 2019 as his number one over Nathan Cleary's
3: going to come and bite him in the backside at some point. (laughs) I would love to see you say that to his face. Hey, Mel, I think your team's a bit hodgepodge. You know, that guy, Luttrell Mitchell, he's not not much chop, is he? (laughs) All right, Rick, appreciate the time, buddy, as always. Go and and get some sleep. You deserve it. Christina, just quickly, you had the... uh The Olympic Gala, of course, you got the invitation. Uh, What was it like, and was it a nice day, night of celebration?
11: How did you miss out on an invite to a, a, a place full of 700 guests? Or is it just rubbing it in a little bit? <laughs> what
3: Hey, hey, I thought we were friends. That's my...
1: It was a huge night.
3: Yeah, of course it was, because I wasn't there. I was, was 700 people and they couldn't even put one in. Uh, what was the, It was basically just a celebration of uh, the comms and the Olympics for the Olympic crowd, right? That crowd that you're part of.
11: <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was, it, was, it was a celebration, really, of what has been an incredible 13 months with three massive events. Obviously, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which feel like a lifetime ago, than the Winter Olympics in Beijing, and then Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, obviously. Um, but it was very nice. I've been to a couple before, and it just, oh. usually about you know, 50 to 100 athletes show up. Uh, and this time there were hundreds of athletes. They all got the invite and they all showed up with their passports. Wow, so no, it was a very good vibe Fu- and it was very impressive. And as usual, a very well put together celebration for yeah. the
3: entire crowd. Fun- funny, I did all three events and I used to go to those things, but didn't get invited this time <laughs> around. Well, okay, all right, no, no. I saw your Instagram photo. You looked divine. I hope you had a good night, mate. Hey, thanks as always, Christina. <laughs> <Come on.
0: laughs> See ya. Ten
3: <Appreciate> <laughs> forty-two. <1042. laughs> How about that? Oh, you didn't get an invite then. You invited. Invited seven hundred people. Yeah, I think we let we're, I just think we did it once. So would you would you be upset Swinkles? would you be upset if that happened to you just quietly?
8: Uh it depends what the situation was. If we're talking <laughs> about the Olympic gala, oh, I mean, I'm okay. It was just
3: a gala, you know, it's like. Yeah. My I did look at it and I I of saw it on the crowd goes wild and there was actually no one there. I was like it is what it is. <laughs> I'm trying to keep What do you mean there was no one there? There were 700 people there. Yeah, it's just all athletes talking stuff. Yeah, we've seen before. <laughs> <laughs> all right, 1043. This is SCNZ. Does Tony want to ring us back? He's been trying to ring us. So if Tony, you're listening, give us a call. 0800 150811. That's 0800 15011. If you've got some thoughts on anything we were talking about at the panel, feel free to text on the Timber Bedpost text line double eight double three.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ACNZ.
3: 48 on a Friday, mornings with Smithy. Stephen on the seat till midday. Sammy Hewitt joins us now for the Spark Sport update. Man, are they having a good time at the moment. Everything that's happening is well, on Spark Sport, right?
1: It is Spark Sport's time of year, um, Stephen. And we've got cricket this afternoon at 2.30. we got that um, tri-series final. So they've been playing each other, you know, on and off over the last this, two this weeks. This is and a mate, T20
3: warm-up, right? World Cup warm-up.
1: It is, yeah. yeah. World Cup starts, I think, next week. On Spark um, Sport. Oops. I think so but yeah the, but the final of the tri series 230 this afternoon um New Zealand Pakistan which is going to be fantastic. Um so if you if you if you've been following that one closely you obviously want to watch the final but the big one I know you're going to you're going to be glued to over the weekend is the rugby league world cup which starts on Monday morning uh, sorry Sunday morning with England Samoa which is probably the game of the round Samoa Robert. wins. Yeah, I think they do. I've got them I've got them pegged as It'll it'll be tough, but I think they win. Well, the England team uh, isn't as laden with NRL talent as they used to be, you know? They've only got a sprinkling there with Sam It's basically Penrith and and friends. (laughs) (laughs) Penrith and (laughs) and colleagues. The Kiwis have that
3: Moses Leota who was (laughs) beating people up on that grand final. Yeah,
1: yeah, him and Fisher-Harris. That's going to be a potion combination. Um, Yeah, so I'm really excited about the Rugby League World Cup which kicks off on Sunday. And then, of course, the Kiwis are playing on Monday morning against Lebanon. At seven twenty, and the great see the great thing about Mitchell the Rachel
3: Moses in... Lebanese, wow, yeah, I, I know, yeah, I would crazy yeah. guest.
1: Um, The thing that I love about the Rugby League World Cup, and I think it's something that maybe the Women's Rugby World Cup, which was also on Spark Sport over the weekend, may have have been able to do a bit better is they've got games just constantly. So they've got games on Tuesday, they've got games on Wednesday, they've got games on Thursday, so you're constantly getting fed the action. Well, the 61 games, let us not forget that the Women's Rugby League World
3: Cup is running concurrently at the same Mm. time, and then Mm. there's also the Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup as well. So it's 61 games across the board on Spark Sport, so they're having a good old time. Do you think the Kiwis go all the way, mate?
1: I oh, I want oh. them to I think they can a semi-final against Australia Is going to be very very hard But if we win that Then I think we're You know yeah, that, that's, that's, the but that's the game But who who makes it on the other side then? Great who, was, I think it's going to be Samoa Tonga semi-final Which is going to be Very tasty So you're not, you're giving the hosts Zero chance I really am I don't think that's a very strong England team at all And I don't think, But the only advantage they have Is I think Kimpi said it the other day Is all of those Super League players that play up in England know those grounds, the short end goals. They're used to that that sort of environment. Yeah, but 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 I, but but I do think that when you look at teams like Tonga and Samoa, I just think they've got a little bit more quality in them. So I think it's going to be Samoa Tonga semi, and that'll be whew, that'll be great. I know do, you reckon, do you reckon they'll fly over the Tongans and <laughs> the Samos with the flags out out the back of the plane? Oh, I just I just want, all I want to hear is cheer. <laughs> yeah. all right yeah mate. so hey look so like you said massive massive um, period for, for Spark Sport all these World Cups on um, and look if you want to dabble in some cricket there's some uh, esports Formula on which I know you love as well um, all that's available yeah over but the not, that, not that esports thanks Sam <laughs> appreciate
2: it 10.51 of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
3: 10.57 with Stephen you can bet live on your favourite sports download the TAB app today Pip Morris good morning lots of racing today
12: Good morning, Stephen. Yes, there certainly is. We've got a premier meeting at Palmerston North Greyhounds with the 1.2 Cup. We'll have power plays available on all races, for so six runners or more, as well as Cambridge thoroughbreds today and Addington Harness a little bit later on. Of course, over the weekend, we've got Group 1 racing here in New Zealand and across the Tasman at Caulfield and, of course, at richest race on the Thursday Everest, as well. And we'll have bonus-back races available on the 1st. Four from Caulfield and paying back to the fifth runner and on all races at Hastings. So if you don't get the winner but you finish second, third, fourth or fifth, you can get a bonus back up to $50 in your account. So plenty to look forward to there, Stephen. And then, of course, on the sports side of things, we've got so much this weekend coming up. And I can tell you, too, uh, Rugby World uh, Cup, not too far away for the Leeds yet. The Kiwis by far the best back, and they are boosted at five fifty. dollars 50 But Samoa has been a little smoky. They're the second best back, and there's been a couple of big bets on them as well.
3: Hang on. Did you say that the, the the Kiwis, to win the World Cup, you've boosted to five fifty.
12: We have yes, that's good money. <laughs> that
3: that is very that's very good money. What size the bets going on Samoa?
12: Ah, uh, we've had a couple a thousand dollar bet, a five hundred dollar bet on them at Samoa, and then just all the way as far as best back they are second behind the Kiwi, So even just a little bets coming in, uh, they're pretty popular on Samoa. Maybe a lot of Panthers uh, players. Yeah, in, what sort of case. money?
3: What sort of money you're offering on them though?
12: They are around five dollars, I believe at the moment hang on a minute a hang on a
3: minute around. you've got you've got the Samoans equal with the Kiwis. Come on, girl, sort that out put put
6: boost those
3: boost those a little bit at least to make the semi finals you know, make it an eight or a niner that'd be more fun.
12: <laughs> oh, it would be. More it would be a lot more fun. We don't want to give away too much here, Stephen. Yes, you, you, <laughs> and again, yes, 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 you do. I'm just having a look at them in that outright winner market for you. To yes. quickly too. And I'll you quickly on the Wellington NPC game, TJ Perinara, he's boosted as well to score either one, two, or three of the first tries, and that's been really popular as well. I you can see him uh, getting in there to do that.
3: Pip, in 20 seconds, Commanders play the Bears today in the NFL Thursday night football in America. What's the market on that Looking like,
12: I will tell you one second. Was this all right in front of me? Uh, the next to go, my little laptop's going slow. Just okay, you, run, you oh.
3: run out of time. You run out of time. Just give me head to head at least on it.
12: It's just not coming up, Stephen. Oh, okay yeah.
3: then. I'll blame Logan Swinkles, my producer, for go. that one. There
12: you go, one ninety-seven, one eighty-three. There you go, head to head, one eighty-three. The Commanders, one ninety-seven. Chicago.
3: Oh, okay. Thanks, Pep. Appreciate your time as always. Have a rocking weekend, girl.
12: You too. Hope you enjoy all the sport we've got
3: going on. We will. Thanks, mate. And watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at TAB.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. It is R18. Coming your way after 11, Simon Crafer, straight from Pit Lane at Phillip Island with the latest round of MotoGP. And, of course, a little later on, you can try and stump me. Well, if anything is to go by the last time, that won't be hard at all. Keep it here on SCNZ Mornings.
2: Nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ 11.03
3: Eleven oh three on a Friday morning time to go. Pit side. That's right, Pit Side at Phillip Island. It's around 19 of 21 in the moto GP season. It's at Phillip Island for the first time in 2019. And the world broadcasting pits reporter and also commentator is a Kiwi called Simon Crafer. He's one of the good buggers in this world, also one of the smartest blokes running around. And he joins us right now. Hey Simon, good morning.
4: Hey, how are you going? There oh. you go. Thanks for bigging me up there. I don't know if I deserve it, but no. I, I'm trying.
3: No, you deserve it all. Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations okay. and thanks for coming back and uh, uh, honouring Hugh Anderson of getting into the MotoGP World Hall of Fame.
6: Yeah, um,
4: that was special because he's the first New Zealander to, to, to achieve that, you know, first New Zealander uh, in that incredible list of. Uh, legends that literally are well, like multiple world champions. He won four world championships and he's you know, he's getting on and it's so nice to be able to uh, to do that. Hugh couldn't travel to Phillip Island for um, health reasons and uh, they asked Mike Webb's idea actually, the, the Kiwi race director, his idea and uh, I jumped on it and I thought, what a top
3: idea, we've got to get him in, and uh, it was a really nice day with his family all involved as well. Simon, let's let's look at uh, this 19th round of the MotoGP season. Essentially, and you might be able to narrow this down, five riders in the hunt for, for the top spot. Does Paco Bagnaya on the Ducati have a better chance because Phillip is such a speed track?
4: Um, yeah, good question. It is really fast here. I, I, I love it, and many other riders love it because of that. 200-kilometer-an-hour corners, which we don't get to experience very much on the calendar anymore, you know, the more modern tracks. Anyway, uh, the thing is, it matters when, you know, you've got a, the best engine. If you have a circuit with slow corners leading onto long straights, then you can really use the engine's advantage. We are here, uh, that's one of the reasons we love it, is it level, levels things out because all of the slow corners don't lead onto long straights so, and the rest are fast. So you don't need to have the fastest engine. Yes, it helps, but it means that I think um, the other manufacturers will have more chance here and traditionally they have. So, so it could be a fight between a bunch of different manufacturers rather than be a Ducati track, the thing is, Ducati have had weaknesses here in the past, like the wind affected the them with their aero packages where and also they don't, turn, they didn't turn as well. But they've fixed all that, and the last two years they've really improved. So they don't have any weaknesses that we know of, and they will be there. But I think the others will be as well. I think it's a really good chance for Fabio. Quattararo because of the things I listed. You know, he's got a slower engine, but he can ride it, and it's a rider's track more than anything. Then there's Alasius Bargaro. Uh, the circuit reminds me, you know, similar traits of Aston and Silverstone, and he was super strong at those tracks, till he hurt himself at Silverstone, but he was the fastest man at Athens, so I expect him to be there as well, and he's got the championship uh, you know, Fight in his mind, and he even said last night that he's going to throw everything at it.
3: Simon, what sits in the back of my mind are team orders from Ducati overall. You've got Jack Miller, you've got Bastianini, and you've got Bagnia. Bagnia is two points behind Quattroaro, 219 versus 217. Do team orders come into play to favour Bagnia, knowing that Bastianini is going to be his teammate next year at the Ducati factory?
4: Yeah, good question. Uh, Ducati and their riders have said so far that their only request to the riders is don't risk Peko, like don't do a a manoeuvre on them that can take them out. And if you can win, they've said go for it. You know, we're not going to stop you getting a GP win if you think you can. And uh, that I love that because that history book stuff, it's a real shame to change that. You know, so, but they said if, if, if it's for the lower positions, you know, meaning uh, the last spot on the podium, which we saw last race, um, they said, you know, we'd, we'd really appreciate some help. We're not ordering you to, but we'd appreciate it. And we saw uh, what I believe Zarko doing that. He, he was hunting down Pecco, far, came to the back of him, didn't pass him to third at the last race, and uh, I, I totally understand Zarko's thinking because. Uh, he believed he couldn't win it, so it was just for second or third. But also, Ducati rescued his career a couple of years ago, you know. Uh, they literally rescued it. So it. pulled him in. When it all fell apart with KPM and Zarko. then Ducati stepped in and put him in one of their satellite teams and it, you know, moved him up to Primac, which is like, uh, basically, it's equal to factory, factory machinery. So um, I think they'll be just more of the same. So, for example... Jack, he said last night, if he can win it, he's going for it. He's going for the win. And they're not going to stop him, I believe, doing that. But if it's the further down, they're going to expect some help from him.
3: Is Miller a genuine chance on his home track?
4: Yeah, he, I think he's in the group that I think, um, you know, they have extra motivation to, to win here. It's his home race. You know? There's nothing better from my point of view than seeing a local boy win. It doesn't matter where we are. But. He also has been so on form lately, like I think he has uh, the form, the ability the fight everything there, you know, so being on the phone before. support, I really think he has a um, chance, there's a lot of things he's got to get through to, you know, get that opportunity but, and there's a lot of guys going to be fighting for it, for example, I'm sure you were going to ask me, but Mark Marquez, yeah, the it left hand track, he wins at left hand track, you know, uh, but, He's so good at them, and I think he's at the point where he's good enough physically now to do it. He'll want to. I just wonder about the bike, you know, because the Honda's not good this year, and uh, that might be his main stumbling block. Club. Where
3: where I was going to go with Mark Marquez was quite simply: how good is it to have the eight-time world champion back racing?
4: Oh, oh really good. Like, uh, uh he's. I mean, he's he's not. I don't miss him um, from the friendly side of the paddock. He's <laughs> completely on a mission, you know. Like, but I miss him from what he does. He's amazing, spectacular. Like, he pushes the boundaries, you know. And I think still, uh, he he and Fabio are the standout riders, you know. Like purely looking from riding ability and and they just aren't on the best machine so it makes, them, makes the job harder and it's why they get paid so much to write the machines they do try to make them look good, you know but he, I think he's going to be in there from the mix uh, you know from the, in the mix from the very start one thing to keep an eye out if we get wet track time you know right up to the race then him Mark Martin, Fabio Quartararo, probably the other ones standing up, with Alex Rins. Those guys are not on to They get quickly to the limit of their bike, really fast, and then the others take a while, but then overtake. There's more track time, and I think if we have a lot of wet track, they don't. The others don't get much practice. Those three. Would be fast straight
3: away. Well, well, that, well, that's interesting though, Simon, because I know Fabio Quartararo after the Thai Grand Prix was sort of apologising for his form in the wet. I mean, you're you're telling me he'll be he'll get okay in the wet?
4: No, no what I'm saying is, if, if it's dry, you know, for the race, yep. we missed a lot of practice because of the wet. Um, those guys will be strong straight away yep. cause they ride so well, and to the limit of their bike in the dry quickly. That's why they're always up there in F1 too. You know? They'll take the others with a better bike to get going a bit more. But uh, he apologised really for uh, not doing his press conference after the race, which is kind of unheard of, you know, <laughs> and looked at many of the journalists as being unprofessional. But the way I look at it, he had an absolute nightmare in Thailand. Uh, he was at the end of his tether. It's not his fault. The tyre pressure uh, was wrong. The crew chiefs admitted that um, but front tire pressure was wrong, for the race. and he couldn't stop it, couldn't turn it. It was a nightmare. He was struggling to stay on it, and he was raging at the end of the race. Didn't go to his debrief. But the thing is, Fabio has a track record of being such a gent and being really patient with all of us the journalists and our stupid questions. So I think. Give him a break. Let him off. And you know, I'm <laughs> sure
3: he'll be back in the box. You know, Simon, it's hard not to go past Bag Nile with momentum, right? He, he's won six races. Quattro's won three. Uh, Pecco's on a run. But the, the weird stat that comes out of this season, he's crashed five times.
4: <laughs> yeah. Nobody's won the championship with five DNFs before, I think. And, and he's really in the hunt, you know, so, Almost first equal, and I think it pretty much shows that um, nobody has dominated this year. You know, everybody's had their ups and downs for whatever reason, and it's just one of those years. It also makes I it think three guys almost, you know, very close, within 20 points going into the last round. So with three rounds to go, they they said last night in the press conference that it's kind of like the season start here. We're all almost on equal points. Three races showdown you know it's oh, quite
3: exciting. it'll be an absolute cracker have you bumped into that fellow called Murphy yet
4: um, I'm looking forward to we're meant to catch up today but I, I haven't seen him yet
3: oh don't worry he'll turn up he'll be he, he, Is he asking for the VIP treatment
4: uh, no because I haven't heard from him, but <laughs> I reckon he's going to be cold with that lack of hair he's going to be cold here it's freezing <laughs> like, it's real cold women
3: oh have, so, hey have they have they have they drained the parts of the track that were flooded
4: yeah, it's all out. Everything's running right now. You can probably hear the Moto 3 bikes out there now. Uh, the, the national superbikes were out before that. So it looks like they're overnight they're fixing everything.
3: All right, Simon, it is always a pleasure. Thank you for giving us your time and uh, go well this weekend. We know you always do.
4: Thank you very much. Cheers, Bye mate.
3: That's uh, Simon Crafer, her pit reporter and commentator for MotoGP Worldwide, and he's a Kiwi. Uh, we were talking about, uh, right at the top, about Hugh Anderson. He came back because Hugh Anderson was inducted into the MotoGP Hall of Fame. Now, just to let you know, you're going, who's Hugh Anderson? Well, he rode back in the 50s and 60s, but he's a four time champion. Uh, and, and And when he was riding, there was the 50cc, 125s, 250s, 300s, 350s, and 500cc classes. 48 podiums and 25 wins. That's not bad. You know, and all those classes, an incredibly uh, little-known, you might say, New Zealander that achieved, in his time, in his generation, the highest of honours. So congratulations to Hugh Anderson for being inducted into the MotoGP Hall of Fame. It's 11.15. If you've got some thoughts on any of what we've been talking about today, uh, MotoGP, of course, we've been talking about Danny Hay being, uh, you know, Basically, calling in time because he had to reapply, and he thought that was pretty much of an insult, which I think most of us feel it was. Uh, then feel free to get on the old blower 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Or if you've got some thoughts on the Temper Bed Post text line, that's double eight double three. Now, uh, Worden from Clearwater on the Charles Tour, uh, Israel Dag, uh, after 10, 13 over. Just a little, just a little tip. 13 over.
8: you're not going to win a tournament like that, is he? but a 13 over after 10 swings. Yeah, and while he's on that score at the top of the leaderboard, the only pro to win on that tour so far this season, Josh Gary, he's oh, yep. two under through nine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 13 over after 10. and as and he's a handy player, right? What does he play? Is he, is he a scratcher is he a scratch player do we know?
8: I'm not sure what a handicap is.
3: But yeah.
8: Today it sounds like his clubs.
3: <laughs> He'll be blaming something. <laughs> yeah, All right, so uh, 800 if 08 you got some thoughts on anything we've been talking about. Shortly we talk Greyhound Racing with Dan Roberts. Stay with us.
2: NZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on S E N Z.
3: Eleven twenty one with Stephen oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Morning, Joey. How are you, buddy?
6: Yeah, good.
0: Stephen, just the Danny Hay saga. Look, it's unbelievable, mate. You know, here is a guy who took Eastern Suburbs to from the second division to the first division to the Premiership. Then he then he was good with New Zealand under twenties. Then he was one goal away from getting us to the World Cup. We've only had two teams make the World Cup in the last thirty years. If, and they say he's an all, uh, automatic uh, coach or whatever they want to call it. Um, look, if you don't want to play for him, you, you don't put your name forward. It, it, it's quite a hard case, I see it. You know, so what I'm saying is, is um, if you were the coach of Italy, they didn't make the World Cup. Do you, do you get rid of him? Do you get rid of the, the Scottish coach? Because Scotland didn't make the World Cup. You know, Stephen, I can't work with the, these people that are running New Zealand football. Uh, about, I don't know what they're about, because... He's one of the best coaches we've had, and yet, and yet they, they've asked him to put his name forward again, or, or you know, to see them because um, we didn't make the World Cup. You know, I can't. You know, as I said, I can't work that out. I, just, uh-huh. I turn around and go to to a, um, a situation, and Andre Adams, Andre Adams, the cricketer, didn't get on or didn't like the way uh, he was getting coached by uh, by Bracewell or that that, that uh, coaching era. So he, he turned the New Zealand. New Zealand, um, what's the name down? He turned around and said, "No, he didn't want to play for New Zealand." Now that's fair enough. If you don't want to play for a coach, you, you don't um, yeah. don't don't play for him. You know, I look at I look at Alex Ferguson. I was there, and when he first took over, and they hated him at Manchester United. I'm telling you, they didn't like him at all. But look look how he turned that round. I mean, yeah, me, yeah. Go on.
3: No no you no you no you're quite right but I I'm not disagreeing with anything I just get the feeling he is he is f- there's been a falling out with an individual or individuals, and they've decided to box tick. And you know in this world of our box ticking, what goes on? And you can't, you can't, you know, a lot of organizations won't let you be an individual anymore. I understand the team ethic and ethos, right? I I get all that. But somewhere along the way, an individual has to make a decision. It's up to him. And here's the interesting thing, Joe, that I didn't realize, and I spoke to Danny about this about two weeks ago. He still hasn't got his, um, I said, would you go and coach offshore? He says, I still don't actually have my, um, the big FIFA license to do it, UEFA license. So he's still got some work to do. But I'm with you a hundred percent. I appreciate the call, man. Have a great weekend. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. It's eleven twenty four. Don't forget to tune into SNZ every Sunday from eleven in the morning for GRNZ's Dog Speed, hosted by Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. Uh, don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing's Dog Speed. Join us each week as we try and raise funds for four New Zealand. Tr- charities, all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. And actually, Dan, Dan the Man, Dan Roberts joins us right now. Hey, Dan, how are you, buddy? Yeah, good afternoon. How are you? Well, I'd like to think it's good morning, so you must have it a hard night.
6: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I got up to Foxon reasonably early and got a pretty decent sleep. It's Drive home tonight, that's the killer. Yeah, so what, you're driving
3: up from From Canterbury to, uh, what is it, Palmy?
6: Yeah, pardon me, mate. Yeah, left at about um, 11 o'clock-ish yesterday morning and uh, got on the boat at about 4, 4, 5 o'clock and then, uh, yeah, drove up to Fox and stayed the night here and, uh, you know, I've got to run the gauntlet and get on the 8.30 ferry tonight and then drive through the night to get home tomorrow morning. Uh,
3: I assume you're taking your dogs with you. Is that right? I mean, that's not a stupid question, is it?
6: Uh, yeah, yeah. I just got, a, just got a wee carload of four, which is a nice and easy number. Uh, usually we travel... Eight, 8 to 12 odd So nice easy trip In terms of dog numbers This time
3: Were you always going to Stay in Or be a greyhound trainer Because of family connections With you know Your brother and, and dad
6: Yeah I've never really known Too much else to be fair But uh, I wouldn't have it Any other way anyway Yeah um uh, I didn't give myself too much of a choice but um, like I say, I wouldn't have it any other way and I, and I love working with the animals and, and, and yeah, love being a
3: greyhound trainer Yeah, just stand still mate because the reception's really good, if you move around I'm going to lose you When you say you love the animals I mean, I've always I've always wondered, do you have a connection with each individual dog? Uh,
6: yeah, I reckon you definitely do and you build sort of different bonds with, with each, each individual dog and some dogs understand you better than others, and some dogs can tell when you're having a rough day and whatnot. Um, definitely, they're all, obviously, every they're like humans, they're all different in their own weird and wacky ways, but you certainly build different connections with different dogs as well. I, I
3: can't remember whose name. I spoke to a, a young trainer, or it would, be a, it would be a month ago, and he reckoned he could name all his dogs. He had around 60 dogs. How many dogs do you actually have in total?
6: Uh, well, me personally, I've got about—I think I got two pets and about twelve race dogs, and then <laughs> a litter of pups that I train uh, on the same premises as my old man. all that we've probably got
0: probably about fifty, sixty
6: dogs as well.
3: Do you know all their names?
6: Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Go
3: on, give me, give me ten. Go on, give me ten names. Here's your test. You know, right. new, new to the media, so you've got to, got to be put under pressure.
6: And <laughs> no, nah, it's pretty easy. I'll just. I'll just list them along in, in terms of their order in my kennel box. So I got uh, Harry, Iggy, Verdon, Mini, Panda, uh, oh, Goofy, some <laughs> MJ, Carly, uh, Ace, and Zach. I think-
3: <laughs> well, mate, mate, that'll do. Hey, um, I just you've got it's a feature racing meeting at Manawatu. Uh, h- how many favourites do you think you're running tonight?
6: yeah um it is a good meeting so we we've only got we're only in the seven hundred meter feature race there's another thirty k race on the on the card which is yeah, it's uh quite heavily dominated by the coal team they um they have a, a nice wee team that sort of dominate the big races around palmy but we've got uh we've got two in the seven hundred meter race obviously no keeper is going to be tough to beat uh he's new zealand greyhound of the year and he's absolutely dominated the starting ranks over the past twelve months so he's going to be tough to beat but we got Roger Bale in there, who never goes a bad race, so uh, top two, definite, definite chance. Uh, outside of him, we've got Naya Bale, who's uh, $1.70 in the and six sixty. I think he's going to be really, really hard to beat.
3: Dan, one final thought. You were the recipient of the GRNZ Board Award in September. Uh, what is the the meaning of the award?
6: Yeah, well, it's it's, it's quite humbling. There's a pretty good list of people that are uh, Scott managed to scoop that award before me, so uh, I mean the competition's fierce and, and the, the youth ranks of the at the moment. But I um, oh, probably deserve to get it again. Yeah, like I said, there's a pretty pretty talented lineup that's come before me, so it's quite good to, to join to join them.
3: All right, mate. I appreciate your time. Uh, go well tonight. And by the way, it's still the morning. Okay, it's still in the morning. All right.
6: Oh, yeah, true sure. <laughs> Time's getting
3: away from me. <laughs> All right, buddy. Travel safe. Thanks, mate. Dan Roberts from uh, uh, one of our co-hosts of Dog Speed. Tune in every Sunday on SCNZ at 11 in the morning for GRNZ's Dog Speed, hosted by Dan and Mark Rosanowski. Okay, I think it's that time, right? Time to do this. Uh, if you want to try and stump me, if you want to try and stump with Stephen, 0800-150811 is the number to call. That's 0800-150811. Do we, do we know what the subjects are? Can we give them a little tip today or to make it easier or not? We're just going to let it fly. Swinkies?
8: We've never really done that oh, before. Oh, okay. That
3: must be another show that I do sometimes. Oh, but don't worry. It's The the, the phone line's lit up. Okay. If you want to try and stump me for that uh, $50 TRB bonus bet, uh, get on the blind now. 0800-150811. 11 on Mornings with Smithy.
4: Good match
13: here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really
4: is top class at his job.
8: Yes, Ian Smith is very top class at his job, as is Stephen McIver when we bring yeah. him up as a, you you as a pitch hitter. You
3: felt like you had to say that, right? Yeah. Yeah,
8: yeah, a little bit.
3: <laughs> hey, no shame today, hey. Just like, serve McIver up and just, you know, boot him when he's down. It's okay, mate. You know, we know. I'm not going to see you know like do. Eddie you did know, though, we, mate. Know, we know I didn't get the invitation to the gala last night. Thank you, Olympic Committee. Not. It's okay. I've only done a few Olympics and stuff like that, but don't worry about it. Move on. All right,
8: okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine, mate. It's fine. Okay, right.
3: I'm not angry at all.
8: It's you're like still. You're, you're, if we have a gala here, you're invited. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Really looking forward to that one. <laughs> Bring your best. Bring your best. I want it in time. <laughs> <mate. I, laughs> right, I was a failure at this
3: last time. Utter failure last time. So let's see what happens.
8: Yep. But up for grabs today is a fifty dollars T A B bonus bet. And first out of the crease, we've got Jack from Auckland coming, mate. How's it going? Good. Is this is this uh, your first time playing Stumped?
4: Yeah, first
8: time. Well,
3: guess what, Jack? You're in a really good chance of winning today because you're up against me, and I am as thick as a prick, brick. I said brick. I said brick. I said brick. brick. (laughs) It's all
8: right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost the weekend. It's almost the weekend. Uh, Jack, I'll tell you quickly, this is how the game works. You've got three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to McIver for a chance to get it right and knock your bales off. Get out in the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question and we will jackpot for Monday. Now, Jack, today's topics are...
3: Jackpot. Get it? Jackpot. Oh, sorry. Okay.
8: You always do this. <laughs> Today's topics for you are, are rugby league, golf, and the NFL.
3: Go rugby league. Yeah, boy. That's what we like. <laughs> there we go. You're, pro- you're probably still getting me, Jack.
8: <laughs> All right. Good luck. Go here. Go. here we go. Oh, McIver's rubbing his hands. He's getting ready. Well, I was putting some hand sanitizer on. <laughs> Ricardo's been
0: here. <laughs> oh.
8: Fair. <laughs> uh, you know I love you, Rick Dog. All right, first question for you, Jack. I love you, man. The, the 2013 edition of the Rugby League World, Co- uh, World Cup kicks off this weekend with our Kiwis taking on the Lebanon in their first match of pool play. The very first. Rugby League World Cup was contested in 1954. Who won that year?
13: Australia. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a
8: cricket field. Oh, doesn't it feel good to say Australia didn't win the first Rugby League World Cup? Uh, what did you say the 23rd edition? Did you say the 23rd edition of the Rugby League World Cup? Was it? 20, 2023. Okay. I
3: thought, okay. Uh, Would the answer be France?
13: One of the worst things <sighs> I have ever seen done on a
8: cricket field. Oh my gosh! I was reading it this morning. I thought I was right. Well, it wasn't New Zealand. It was Great Britain.
3: <sighs> oh, well, yeah. I think that means you're still alive. Does that mean he's, Jack's still alive?
8: Yep. Jack gets another shot here. So, <laughs> yes. Still alive, mate. Second question for you. The World Cup has been contested 15 times in its history, with the Kiwis winning. Just the once, back then in two thousand and eight, and how good was that? I was there. How many <laughs> have the Australians won? Eleven.
4: Just a couple of chips down the wicket,
8: right in the slot, and away it goes. Wow, feels like there was a bit of quick math going on there, Jack. <laughs> trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> good
4: <hear>. Calculator. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Steve, <laughs> I see. trying to do it now on his head. No, it, see it. But
3: you said it's quick math. I mean, it was, it was fifteen times, right? Mm-hmm. And the Pongos have won it once. Is that what we're saying? And we've won it once. That's eleven, and two is thirteen. So who won it the other two times?
8: I'm sure all the Great Britain have won it more. Than
3: uh, I think once. you're right. Okay, sorry.
8: No, well done, Jack. You're Very, still,
3: I think you're still, like, you're still going yeah, on. We are still yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jack
8: yeah. is. Uh, he's right it's in a it. Jack mate. attack. So, uh, <laughs> good calculated guess. Last question for you. Who holds the record from the, for most points scored by an individual at a World oh, Cup? Oh, God. Um, oh, actually, Darren this isn't... Uh, oh, hang on. I read the question wrong. Who holds the record for most points scored by an individual at World Cups? So, not one World Cup, uh, just overall oh wow give it give him a hint give him a hint can we have a
3: decade is it is someone we all would know if we knew it (laughs) yes definitely that's not a hint
8: well he's a big a big name no you didn't say that
3: i I didn't hear that jack i didn't hear that answer so so uh, it's Mm -hmm. a big name um Come on, give us, a, give us a hint. It's a weekend. Give okay. us a hint. A,
8: a, a big-name Australian player. How about that? Oh, for okay. goodness sake. Oh,
3: oh okay. Tough person. That's what I was going to say. That's not couple of chips. Now oh. we get right in the slot know <laughs> where it goes. Was it, though? It was. <laughs> I was going to say that because I thought of point scorers. is right? a big name. And what does he do? Yeah. He's a, he was the kicker, right? You beauty. <laughs> you little ripper. There we go. Okay, Richard, jackpot versus crackpot. Lovely. All right. Thanks, Richard. Yep, yep. Thanks, you. Oh. Don't you laugh, Jack. Come on. Kick him out while he's down. Yeah, we're all piling on <laughs> <for> cover <coming> today. <laughs> Are you going to tell him what he's won? Has he won?
8: Yeah, mate. You've won it all. Well, the $50 TAB bonus bet. So hold the line, Jack and Brian will get awesome. you details. But before we let you go, uh, what do you think you might put that on this weekend? Probably leaning
4: towards Auckland, Auckland tonight, and then maybe maybe a few a multi with the the Rugby League World Cup. Hopefully.
3: Okay, so if you're going to do a multi in the Rugby League World Cup, what sort of what would you be thinking? Uh, just you know, top of the head discussion, top of the head. Samoa should be England, first
4: game up, and then yeah, we'll probably mix up with some NFL on Monday morning to ease the weekend.
3: Mm, okay, yeah, are offering yeah, the TAB are offering fives, boosted fives on the Kiwis to win yeah that's nice uh, that, yeah I said they should the but, but but they're also offering yeah. fives on Samoa yeah we'll bet Samoa though surely well we won't have to face Got them it. hopefully unless they unless <laughs> yeah, they make not. unless they win a semi-final against Tonga yeah. that's that's how that one works yeah, exactly. out as well alright All right, mate appreciate the All time awesome, and have an awesome man. weekend congratulations
4: thanks very much go well
3: thank you mate well I feel better because I well, didn't sound too much of a numpty this time around did I
8: and, no, you did and, great. Uh, you, you, held you, are, you, are you held your own. You held your own.
3: Man, you are just so full of sarcasm today. It's 11.39. No, you No, but if people can see the look oh, on your no, face and go, oh, you were great. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> 11.39, this is Head Mornings with S- Smithy. Stephen, until, well, thankfully for another 20 minutes, I've got to put up with swinkles. Uh, 800 15 or the Timber Bed Post text line, uh, double three if you want to talk about anything that we've been gabbling on about today. 11.45 on a Friday. That's the sort of music that Michael Guerin plays in his Aston Martin. He's off to, the, off to the harness race. He just has the top down. No, he doesn't have the top down. It's a hard top. And he's just blasting it out, and the wind is blowing through his coiffed hair. Hello, Michael.
13: <laughs> hey, Stephen. Like, mate, that, that song always reminds you of one of the great movies of all time. Have you seen the movie Old School? That's yes. That's the movie Old School. Yes. It is out. Will Ferrell is out Yeah, I know. So thank you, Stephen. <laughs> it's woken me up. It's, che- it's cheered me up on a Friday. i tell you what. The I'll other tell, cheerful news I
3: i tell you what would cheer you the up before cheer- you. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you do, I want to cheer yeah. you up. H- had a had a sit and hope and go to go for a drive in the DBX 707, 770. The S2, God. yeah, the fastest that'll, that'll SUV be really on the funny. planet. Just wanted to just wind you up a little bit about that one because it's no, it, it's um, it's they, beautiful. They,
13: they make a great car, Stephen. They make a great car, and to, to get these sort of things, you need to back some wonders. And um, <laughs> Go for it. it's a massive, it's a massive weekend of racing. We um, we have adding so we'll talk about harness racing first. We have Eddington on tonight, Stephen, and it, it feels like sort of a meeting which has sort of snuck up on us a bit because there's so much else going on in the gallops we'll mm. get to that in a sec. But they have really big fields at to Addington's tonight, and really, really good horses. And it's one of those nights where, you know, we've had an enormous amount of sport on Friday. The Rugby League Cup, of course, hasn't started yet and we don't have heat going on domestically. It's a good night to settle in front of the telly and, and watch them harness racing because big-name horses like Akuta and Sunday Sun, these are proper horses. So... And they race tonight, and there'll be some big chunky dividends because the fields are big. Then tomorrow, we have the end of this triple crown at Hastings, which has been very weird. The first day was heavy. The second day was cancelled. Translates with matter. We go back to Hawke's Bay tomorrow where it's heavy, which means some horses will hate it, some horses will love it, and some horses won't turn up. They'll be scratched. <laughs> now, we'll talk all about that tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock in the morning on the mail run because the track conditions, who's scratched, what's happening with the meeting, will be absolutely massive info because people can bet on these things, Stephen. And under the TAB's new rules, if you back a horse and you get a $6 fixed odds, there's no deductions. If they scratch 10 horses out of the race, you get to keep the $6 dividend. So if you want to back in the wheat, who comes out of the race is mm. really interesting. So we'll speak to all the trainers about that tomorrow morning and who's going and what they make of the wheat. Now, unfortunately to the listeners, I'm in charge of the show tomorrow morning because Louis Herman Watt has gone to Sydney to go to the Everest. This is the other key point yeah. of the weekend. The Everest is the 15 million dollar race where New Zealand trainer Chris Waller, New Zealand superstar jockey James McDonald, and the partially New Zealand owned horse Nature Strip are the hot favourites to win, uh, and the winning she has 6.6 million. Oh. So while all that's going on, you might think that's a pretty big weekend. Well bounce a little bit further south to flood ravaged Victoria and we have the Caulfield Cup. Now the Caulfield Cup's worth five million. The favourite for the Caulfield Cup is a horse called Smoke and Romans. And he was bred in Little Old Otago. He was bred at Winger by the Anderton family. Brian Anderton's eighty five years old. He said for the first time in his racing life he shed tears when Smoke and Roman won the feature lead up race at Flemington. So all of that all of that's going to be talked about tomorrow, not only on the mail run on SENC from 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll also talk about it this afternoon. from the good oil. All the boys will be in the studio live trying to win people some money. And then we'll go, oh, catch your breath. <laughs> at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, we'll have trots talk with myself and Greg O'Connor to dissect tonight, talk about the racing on Sunday and talk about Cup Week at Addington, which... It's going to be massive, Stephen, because the last two years' cup at Addington, has been rubbish. It's been horrible because of COVID. It just sucked. This year, we'll have 20,000 people back on deck. There'll be Rickerton, there'll be Addington. It will be massive, and, like, tickets are basically selling out. So, Stephen, it feels like the whole world's waking up to this stuff, and we're going to cover the racing part of that. Uh, here on ECNZ, over what's going to be a hell of a weekend.
3: Yeah, it'll be a hell of a weekend. And I know, as always, Michael, you do such a fabulous job. Uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, as always. It's 11.50. Stabby's up next.
2: It's Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale.
0: To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Yes, Visit
3: tyrepower.com.au
13: now.